AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Master Gardener Hour, a one-hour show where we talk to garden professionals and gardeners from all walks of life, all growing a variety of different plants. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. If you have any questions about something in your garden, please post it on our Facebook page. Maybe we can answer the question on the air. This morning, we are going to be talking houseplants with Julie Borden Davis. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Yes. Um, and when I think of houseplants, I think of tropical plants that stay indoors all year round, um, as well as those tender plants that come indoors for winter and then spend the summer outside. So let's start um, maybe with a little about um, houseplants in general and the types of plants that we're talking about. I mean, are there as many varieties of house plants as there are maybe common old garden outdoor plants well there 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 aren't as many as outdoor plants that would would thrive indoors however there are quite a few plants that can be grown indoors and over the last couple decades it's grown exponentially in terms of what's available to be grown in indoors and as you mentioned a lot of them are tropical plants Although there's been a big surge in growing succulents indoors as well. So you can grow quite a variety of plants. There are things, however, that that need a lot of light that you wouldn't have as much luck with. So that's why the tropical plants, especially the plants that are come from the jungle floors where it's not, there isn't that much direct sunlight, those do, the, do really well. And... In terms of types, there's I break it down into four broad categories for houseplants. Uh, one is foliage plants, and those really comprise the backbone of the indoor garden. So that's where you're going to get a lot of your, well, all of your, your various types of foliage. Uh, I like to tell people there's so many there that it's kind of like choosing wallpaper. Yes. Yeah. Or... Uh, for in terms of um, or your sofa, what your sofa looks like, that sort of. So the uh, and then you can get all not all kinds of colors in that foliage. There's reds and yellows and oranges and whites and then the variegated forms. So it's it's really pretty. And then there's viners and climbers. So those would be the things like the the pothos, philodendron, spider plant, those those kinds of plants. And then there's the large and tall plants. So those are things like the ficus, the ficus benjamina, and the, all the dracaena, the wonderful dracaenas, uh, fiddle leaf fig, chafflera, rubber trees, palms. And then, of course, we have the flowering house plants. So the uh, that give you the jewels for your indoor garden, things like African violet. Some begonias can be grown indoors and anthuriums and that sort of thing. 
And I think, you know, in the early 20th century, I mean, there were greenhouses and, and palm courts and things like that, which were, those things got incredibly large and orangeries and things like that. And then it goes all the way down, I guess, to the, the African violet. But do people still grow those very large palm type things that were typical in, in the, the colden, colden, um, areas? Yes, actually, the palm trees are, are very popular, and and African violets are also as popular. And you you're you're touching on, I think, too. Uh, also, the Victorian era was was huge for for house plants, indoor gardens, uh, the terrariums, uh, and that sort of thing. So. Which is really what I love about guard, indoor gardening in general is you can create, if, especially if you, no matter where you live, you can garden. That's, that's what I love about indoor gardening. You can create your own indoor paradise. Yeah, and I know terrariums and things have really, um, those have uh, really come back again along with fairy gardens and miniature gardening um, in general. So has that maybe changed the types of things that people grow? Because even an African violet would be too big probably for a fairy garden, for instance, or a miniature garden. There has been, yes, there has been a, a, a lot of people growing miniatures it's kind of its own sort of movement. So, and it's interesting. It's the uh, one of one of my books is fairy gardening, which I wrote with um, a woman named Beverly Turner, who really is the I call her the fairy go- godmother of fairy gardening. <laughs> she started doing fairy gardens about 14 years ago, before a lot of people were doing them. And so that's a, a, a kind of a different movement. It's, it actually crosses along the line of the, with the craft movement as well. So people, it's a little more on the decorating side, if you know what I mean, and as opposed to the other side of the, with it, of the gardener, gardener side. So it's really, I think what it's done is just gotten more people involved in indoor gardening. There are many African violets, and they do really well in when you do an indoor fairy garden. And, and all these plants are supposed to be, stay indoors all year round, is that right, rather than stick them out on the patio in the summer? There are. There, it depends on where you live. And uh, if you live in the south, if you live, I, I live on the west, on the west coast, so we I can even grow some of these things in outdoors in protected environments throughout the year as long as we don't get a frost. But my sister lives in the south in Georgia, and there are quite a few of her plants that she she puts outdoors in the summertime and brings them indoors. So it's going to depend really on how, if you have any cold nights during the summertime. So you wouldn't want to get any lower than 65 degrees on a summer night. And so that that really, I guess, would be um, the the South in general. Um, but I guess when I bring plants indoors um, and then take them out in the, the the sun during the summer, you said a lot of these um, indoor plants actually are the understory type tropical exactly, plants they that are. That, yes. that that enjoy or, or can cope with low light. Would that mean that when you put them out in full sun, they just dry up, crinkle, and say, thank you, no thanks. Uh, pretty much, yes. <laughs> that, that's 
through. So you would want them under a patio cover or under a tree where they get they're getting dappled sunlight. A good way to to think of it is in envision a jungle. If not everyone's been in a jungle, I I actually was lucky enough to have been in the jungles in Panama. But when you're in the jungle, there's little slivers of light that come through now and then, and there's there's various patches of sunlight. But there's definitely a lot of protection from the sun. And so those sorts of areas, uh, un, like I mentioned, under patio covers, under yeah. un, the understory of trees, anywhere that they would get bright indirect light. And so I know that some people um, grow a lot of plants kind of in green walls in bathrooms that have a lot of moist air at least twice or a couple of times a day. Um, and obviously herbs go in, in kitchens. But do other maybe plants that uh, people enjoy in, in all different areas of the house or the home? Yes, there's lots of different plants that can go in different areas of the house. Just depend, and for the drier areas, there's some better selections than others. For instance, the pothos does really well. Dracaenas are marvelous plants. There's there's a, quite a number of them. Corn plant is one of them, and they will grow in the driest of conditions and in fairly dark corners. And it's always amazing to me how they continue to grow despite not getting a lot of light. And, and so do, do some of them um, get just maybe a little too big sometimes um, for the indoors? Um, you know, particularly two-story, I know a lot of people have very uh, two-story atrium-type air areas, which is fine. But they, I've noticed that when we've been looking at houses, these, these things have grown over the years and they're almost at the top. You know, what do you do with them when they overgrow that? Right, so that's a really good question. And they do when, when a house plant, when a tall, and I call those the floor plants, tall floor plants, when they do, when they are happy, they will keep reaching. So there are, the, the main thing that you can do is you can air layer the plant. And there's a lot of plants that you can do that with. And what, basically what you're doing is you're cutting off a t the top, cutting it, cutting the plant down some. And then you would cut it so that it would look wherever you cut it at would look nice on the top part and then you can take you take the, the you can replant the bottom part as well and so and there's diff, there's different ways where ways to do it i actually i had a dracaena so you can do the air laying or you can even do the even simpler way of doing it I had a Dracaena <clears throat> trying to, I think it was the, not the Janet Craig, but one of the Dracaenas that's more spiky, and it actually broke off So because it had gotten too tall. So I stuck it in next to it, to the plant in the soil, and it created in a much nicer, thicker plant. So it's almost like pruning an outdoor plant when you when bits break off. I guess um, you you can stick stick them in the ground and they get roots for themselves. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and then you can also in the air layering is a process of cutting cutting them partially, and then at the top. So when you want it, wherever you want to shorten it, you cut it partially, you put some rooting hormone in there, you cover it with a bag, and what happens is it creates new roots 
on the plant, the part that you've cut, and then you can cut that off and plant the part that you've cut too. And so how long does that generally take to generate um, new roots? Are we talking a few weeks or are we talking a couple of months? It, it'll vary anywhere, prob- generally speaking, depending on the species of plant, from four to eight weeks is a good figure. And, and then, then you just lock, lock the other half off and, and pop it in its own little container, a bit, a bit like you would roses then, for instance. Right, same, same concept. Or if there's room in the pot and you want to make the pot fuller, you can put it next, right next to it. Or, of course, you could just give, give it to a friend who enjoys also um, yes. in, indoor, indoor plants. Kind of. and, and I think that's the be- beauty sometimes of, um, of plants of all descriptions, when, when you can clone them and you can maybe g- give one for the, maybe the, the christening of a child or something like that, which kind of makes them interesting. Um, Definitely. Yeah. But, you know, we need our first commercial break here, but we will be back with more about house plants with Julie Borden-Davis on the Master Gardener Hour. And when we come back, we'll talk a little more about these indoor-outdoor plants, how to do it safely without killing them, which is one of the things I have a tendency to do. We will be right back. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at the Master Gardener Hour. And if you miss any shows, you can find the archives at americaswebradio.com webpage. And you can find them on iTunes and you can find them on Stitchers. This morning, we are talking houseplants with Julie Borden-Davis. And we talked a little about the indoor plants in the first section. So now let's talk a little bit about um, taking them outside in the summer. Um, and that's something I guess that I've been doing with a couple of my plants and some of them actually sulk when you take them out is it better just to keep them indoors rather than try and transition them indoors and outdoors it's going to depend on the plant I think you you mentioned the the citrus right Yeah. yeah the lemon and citrus do require a lot of light so it is good if you can get the citrus out outside for the summertime. The more the plants that you want to look at more putting outdoors in the summer are the plants that are more plants that are generally grown outside. So or grown outside in certain areas of the country. So the citruses, bird of paradise is another one that likes a lot of light, and so some of the ones like. Pothos, philodendron, 
the they probably can stay indoors. Coleus is another one that would like to have some some uh, summer vacation. So so it's going to be plant specific. And, 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 I, and I know my big hibiscus. I usually take those outside because they're beautiful big plants. Um, definitely, definitely yes. hibiscus. Yes, that's another one that really wants the sun. And, and especially plants that in outdoors would grow in full sun. Those are the ones that you would want to look at. And so are they conversely going to be the ones that sulk when they're indoors in the winter without maybe um, a bright window area? Yes, they would. They would be more, and they'd be probably more particular once they've been harder to acclimate so that you could, and when you finally, one of the reasons why they may sulk when you put them outdoors finally in the springtime when you can, because they finally acclimated to the indoors, which took them a while. So then it'll take them a while to acclimate to the outdoors. So it it depends. It depends on how much light. If you have really a bright light area and you have a citrus, something, or even the hibiscus that's doing really well, even during the time that it's indoors, you might just want to keep it indoors. And and I think you know when when you've got these big plants, you know, I I usually take them out in the in the summer because I think they're they're great outside decorated. It's more like you have to bring them inside for the winter. I would prefer if I could, I'd keep them outside all, all year round. Um, right. But, but do do you keep them in um, maybe on a shady patio um, or under an overhang for a couple of days, like you would harden off seedlings? Or just with these mature plants, does it take a little bit longer for them to acclimatize to the wind and the breeze outside, which you don't get indoors? It does take longer. I would be really careful because you they haven't, like you mentioned, they haven't had the breezes, they haven't had the intense sunlight. And even even if that you keep them in the shade, it's still a brighter light than they've been used to. So I would go very gradually from a very protected area for a week and then moving it to a little less protected for another week. And then I would could even take two to three weeks to get it to where you want to keep it and keeping a really good eye on it because the burn, the foliage burn, a lot of the plants, you may not be able to get them into a full sun. And, and so maybe put, put them on a back patio or something like that where they don't get quite as much sun as out in the, the garden type scenario. Exactly. Exactly. For instance, I mentioned my sister in Georgia earlier, and she had she does have a, a porch area that does have protection, and that's where she puts them. It's open. It's an open porch, so it's like being outdoors, but there is that overhead protection. And actually, I think when I had my um, hibiscus down in Georgia, I used to actually plant them in the ground. And I guess I forgot one one year, and I think it got very very close to freezing, and it was not yeah. a happy plant. <laughs> yeah, that's... yeah. Um, and and certainly with the citrus, you know, my little uh, Maya lemon, I. I, I, for some reason, whenever I try and get it outside, no matter how many days it transitions, even going onto the porch, it seems like it wants to lose its leaves on me. Is that a particular difficult plant to transition? Yeah, yeah, some of them are picky. And it's even interesting, some of them are even pickier, just the particular plant. So you may find that you have, you, you could even have two hibiscus, and one of them would transition better than the other. It, 
it's even that it can even be that particular. So that's the good news is with grow with actually one of the great things about growing houseplants is you're indoors with them all the time. So you get to know them a little bit better than your outdoor plants sometimes. And you'll know you'll know if a plant if you try to transition a plant outdoors, it doesn't do that great. One summer I would suggest trying to keep it indoors for the following summer and then make a comparison. Oh, and and I guess with um, a lot of the plants that I've got, um, I guess that the the indoor outdoor type plants, do they suffer from more um, insect problems when you do take them out or bring them in, rather than something that that would be normally outside all the time or inside all the time? Yes, there are more insect insect. Uh, issues. However, the good news is some of the in some of the pests. I found this just recently. You always hear about the pests they can pick up outdoors, and you really want you really want to make sure that they don't have those pests when you move them, transition them back indoors in the fall. However, I've found that sometimes putting them out in the springtime to over to to, to grow over the summertime outdoors will actually get rid of some some of those pests. I've found that happens with scale and mealybugs. They don't like it outdoors. They really like it indoors. They're they're really greenhouse pests. So you can actually get rid of a, a problem. So say if you've been having a mealybug problem or a scale problem over winter by moving it outdoors a lot of times you can get rid of it. A lot of times it's because there's other insects and, and birds and things that will eat those pests and get okay. it under control for you. Yeah. And and I guess when, um, you know, I've been taking these things indoors and outdoors, you know, sometimes I repot them. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that particularly, you know, when, when they go out early in the year, I repot it or, or I don't make it into a bigger container but I, I just kind of change the soil and whatever so it has got right. more nutrients is that going to be more of a stress for the plants to do it while it's outside um or should i wait wait kind of do it halfway through the summer so that it's kind of well acclimatized and then do the root bit or would it be better to do that right at the start so that it's got everything fresh for the summer i think it, it might be better to wait until you've got it acclimated well like a month and then repot it because it's definitely a, a messy business when you try. Yeah. <laughs> I, I and think it's you a- want to make sure the plant's acclimating well enough. And then if you do do it within three weeks or so after it's been outside, that is actually great because it will take all the nutrients in the soil and, and get to be a stronger plant, which is what you want when you bring it back in in the fall. And, and do, do they need more water when they're outside compared to indoors typically? Generally speaking, yes, they will need more water outdoors than indoors. However, if you're in an area where you use the air, the air conditioner is being used a lot, say in the southwest and the west, parts of the, the, the south, southern part of the west where I am, then you may actually, it, it well, those areas it's going to be outdoors is going to be just as dry. So usually... Yes, you will need more. However, keep in mind that heating and air conditioning also dry out plants indoors. 
So, so would it be maybe one way of starting the transition on nice days, having the window open uh, next to it so that it gets accustomed to the, the, the breeze before, before you actually sort of throw it outside to fend for itself, so to speak? Yes, that's a great idea. Anything you can do to slowly acclimate it, basically let the plant know we're changing, we're changing, we're changing your scenario here. Anything you can do, the better, and the slower, the better. And, and this happens with the, the big plants as well as smaller ones, right? What type, yes. what type? Yes, actually, and sometimes the big plants are even more, more tender in that area. There's more because there's more foliage to get hit by sun and that sort of thing. And, and so, so I guess with, with a lot of these plants, if you've got them outside in the first place, and they are beautiful when they're outside, is there, is there anything particular that you should do apart from watering that you should maybe be aware of when they're outside? Because obviously the sun is a lot stronger in the summer in the first place, as well as <laughs> it's a longer day. Yeah, exactly. And the, the sun, watching the sun, making sure that, the plant doesn't get sun damage because sun damage, a sunburn is bad. The plant looks awful afterwards. <laughs> I have one plant, the Dracaena, that I, a corn, a corn plant. No, no, actually it's a Janet Craig. And I put it outside and it was shaded. This is something to consider. So it was put it outside and it was in the summertime and it was shaded the area I put it outside in was shaded when I put it out there because I had watered it and I cleaned it and I wanted to keep it out there till it drained, till it dried. But I went to do something and forgot. Well, I came back and the sun was hitting that area at that point and it got a bad sunburn and it's taken two years and it's finally back to looking good. So it took a long time. It was a big floor plant. So there was more foliage to get burned. Yeah, so so it's nice to know that even professionals forget yes. some of these things. <laughs> yes, I've done it too. <laughs> I didn't take a photo of it to show. I couldn't quite put, put my put, put, get myself to do that. But I, but now I can take a, a photo of it. It actually is starting now. It's once again photo worthy. But it, it took two years. <laughs> oh wow! And yeah. what, what were the what, what, what were the symptoms of it being burnt? Do the do the leaves kind of curl a little bit downwards or something like that? What happens when it burns? It's kind of like what happens when we burn. Initially, you don't realize you've burned. So when I found the plant out there, and I thought, oh, it's okay. It doesn't. It looks fine. It's still green. Well, a few hours later, generally, what you're going to see is brown. Uh, circular burns on the leaf. Ooh, not pretty. Yeah, not pretty, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, it, but, but, it browns and dries. It browns and dries and gets crispy. Yeah, So, but at least they can recover from that. Um, but, you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here. But come back, everyone, and listen to more about houseplants with Julie Borden-Davis. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of her favorite plants. We will be right back. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. 
Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's Food Link was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to the Master Gardener Hour. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking houseplants with Julie Borden-Davis. And I know, Julie, that there are lots of all these different ones that come in, as you mentioned at the start, different shapes and sizes. But do you have any particular favorites among them that wherever you are, you would like to buy one? I do... (laughs) I do have a lot of houseplants, so I, it's hard for me to say no to a houseplant, but I do have some favorites. And uh, at the, if, in terms of flowering houseplants, I love African violets. They come in so many flower colors and flower types. There's double flowers and single flowers and roughly flowers, uh, and they're just really beautiful plants and they what i really like about them is that they they flower indoors readily flower indoors so they're not one of those flowers like begonias are harder to flower indoors that where they would be much happier if they were outdoors they african violets would not be happy outdoors except for where they were located uh which wasn't actually in africa year uh years ago so they, and the nice thing is you, they bud up in a northern exposure window. What I've found a lot of times is indoor gardeners tend to have northern exposure windows because they want to grow houseplants. It's one of those Murphy's Laws. They want to grow houseplants, but they have a lot of northern exposure windows, and this is a perfect plant for a northern exposure window. It actually cannot take a lot of light. So that's really nice. Another one is the anthuriums. I love the anthuriums. If you it gives you a nice taste of the tropics, and they come in some really pretty colors as well. And then in foliage plants, pothos is one of my favorites because it will grow anywhere, and it's a nice. But you can you can train it to vine up. It doesn't attach. You'd have you have to create attachments for it, or you can train it to to grow down. And the philodendron is is right along with that one for me. The another oh another really nice flowering plant which is actually it's a spath it's not a flower a true flower but the peace lily is wonderful. And that is another one that doesn't if you put it in too much light in your house it it will actually get that uh burn it burns easily so it needs medium to low light and you get those wonderful white flowers on it. Some other favorites, the in terms of the large floor plants, I love all the Dracaenas because they grow, they also like the medium to low light. And uh, so the Marginata and the Janet Craig and the corn plant is one of my favorites. It actually was my first big 
my first floor plant that I bought at only two feet when I moved in my, my house, which I moved into uh, that I live in now in 1987, now it's like 12 feet tall. Oh, wow. But, yeah. <laughs> so, and they're really cool. When they get mature, they flower. And it is the most heavenly scent. It is better than jasmine, better than honeysuckle. Uh-huh. And it perfumes the whole house. And it happens around Christmas time, too. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so it's really nice. Yeah. And I have another one that I got from and it's actually a not a corn plant but the janet craig and it's a very large specimen and i got it from a uh one of the a plant company that where they put plants in offices and it did what we mentioned earlier about it it outgrew spaces so i got that plant and that one's mature and that one also flowers so that's really fun and so we, one thing we haven't touched on is the care of all these, apart from the light issue. Um, are they relatively easy to care? I mean, do you have to, for instance, an African violet, do you have to repot it into a bigger container every year and give it fertilizer every couple of weeks, or, or how do we deal with them? There's, of course, every plant's different, but there are some general rules of thumb with houseplants. One thing is a lot of them like to have their soil, I like to say, approach dryness. Because if you say dry, they don't want it bone dry because they'll be droughted. But get closer to close to drying out. So a lot of times that might be the first half inch, the first inch. The African violets is more like you don't want to you don't want them soggy, but you don't want them to dry out. So the watering is key. A lot of people will overwater their houseplants, and houseplants will succumb to root rot, and then they're finished. And there's two different schools of thought on African violet on how to grow them. A lot of people will grow them with a wick system so that the African violet is never watered from up top. It's always watered from below. And even if you don't do a wicking system, it's good to put them in a container that's just a little bit bigger than the container it's in with the water, and it will soak it up from the bottom. That way you don't get the foliage wet because they are susceptible to some of the molds and fungal disease, uh, leaf, leaf uh, fungal diseases. A really important thing that people don't know is to not use softened water, which has salt in it, number one. And number two, to use warm, tepid to warm water on your houseplants. So so you would maybe leave the container of bottled water next to it for a couple of days before you water something? You could, yes. Or you can even water, if you're watering with the tap water, you can warm, just warm the tap water up. Okay. Um, and uh, because that, again, would be a shock type thing. So it, so it should be room temperature more than anything yes, else. Yes, exactly. Room or even warm. Cause, and people will ask, well, how is that possible if I'm growing the same thing outdoors? Well, remember, out if you're growing something outdoors or something similar outdoors, the ground, especially if it's in the ground, outdoors, it changes as the season changes with the outdoor temperature. But indoors, your plant is staying at the same temperature as you're indoors, which generally speaking, people keep their homes between 65 and 75 degrees. So in the winter time, if you hit those roots with water coming out of your tap, <laughs> that's maybe 40 degrees, you can see the big difference there. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> and like they it. have even done studies that show that that the cold water on the roots will cause, it can cause foliar damage and root damage. Wow. 
So I guess uh, they're a little trickier than the outdoor plants when it comes to watering. Um, but what about fertilizers and things? Do they, do they generally take as many fertilizers or because they're indoors and maybe not growing quite as, as quickly, um, they, they don't take as many fertilizer? Actually, yes, they usually don't need as much fertilizing. And, and the key is to put them in a really good potting soil in the first place. So if you can get a good organic mix, especially the ones that have things like mycorrhizae in them, and vermicompost is great, too. If you can create a self-sustaining environment in the soil, then the plant won't need as much fertilizer. And, and, and when you do fertilize, if you fertilize with organic fertilizers, it doesn't become dependent. It, 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 it's, a, it's the same concept is growing organically outdoors you create that self-sustaining situation and and you mentioned a good um container soil for a lot of these an organic soil um or or mix um but do i know there, there are african violet mixes and cacti mixes and and are there as many mixes for as many different house plants or, or is it just the african violets because they're popular have one orchids have one and every everything else has another Pretty much it, yeah. So there are, so in general, there's, uh, for the things that need to be kept more moist, look for a heavier soil, and the things that need to be less moist, a little lighter soil with more pumice or perlite in it. The, the cactus mixes, uh, I like to bulk up even with cactus a little bit because they tend to be very barky, at least the ones I've had had some experience with uh-huh. and, and so I would put compost in that and and so so all these are readily available is that right they should be there's more I've noticed within the last five six years there's a lot better selection out there and even some of the big name brands that have been around forever are creating organic mixes specialized mixes and so when, when you're using these, for instance, in a fairy garden or something, um, would you put that same mix um, in the base of the garden and put several different plants in it? Um, and, and would the African violet not survive um, if you were putting a general one in there? It, it will depend on what other plants you're planting. One thing you can do with anything in terms of any type of uh, container garden, say it is a fairy garden, or it is a mixed planter, is you can always leave them in their own little pots and then cover it with a moss or something. Oh, so so you have the individual plants have their own soil mix and then you just kind of decorate the top area. Exactly. And, and, and so with, with um, particularly with, with the fairy gardens, um, what type of plants, because those generally are miniature plants, are they easy to get hold of? I mean, do, do most local nurseries sell suitable plants for that? The fairy gardens are a little bit trickier. They, you would want to look for miniature plants, but even still, they can get too too large. So indoors, it's, it is somewhat limited on what you can grow, but there are some, there are a few good selections. There is the polka dot plant is one, so that's the little, uh, that has the foliage, it comes in either pink and white, 
it's the hypoestes. So they get pink and green, and then there's the white and green. That's a nice one. Some of the some of the ivies will also work. If the needlepoint ivy, I think, is one that will work. Some succulents, small succulents. If now you would, this would be a different. You would have to go more on the dry side for the succulents. But you couldn't do a succulent garden with small succulents. They're very slow growing indoors. What you're looking for is something that's not going to get grow really large really quickly. African violets, the mini African violets do well because they don't they don't grow really big. They stay small. And and are these things um, readily available in most private nurseries or do you have to go online for most of them? It's good to check around at your local nurseries and, and ask and, and ask if they have the miniature plants for the fairy gardens. Also for terrarium. So terrarium plants will also do well in the fairy gardens. And another source sometimes is aquarium plants. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's, and then aquatic gardens are a whole other story, but a lot of times those aquarium plants will also do well in the uh, either a terrarium situation. I, I would never have thought about that. Um, but we need to take our final commercial break here, but come back to listen to more from Julie Borden-Davis and the houseplants on the Master Garden Hour, and we will be right back. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. you're enjoying the Master Gardener Hour this morning. We have been talking about houseplants and how to take care of them and take them in and out with uh, Julie Borden-Davis. And Julie, you have um, two books on houseplant. One is a little older than the new one. Tell us a little about the, the difference between those two books. So one of, one of the books is Indoor Gardening the Organic Way. That's my most recent one. And that actually is tells you everything really you'd need to know about having a great indoor garden. I actually had the, the seeds for that that book were planted when I wrote a column called The Gardener Within for the San Francisco Chronicle for for many years. And at that point it the the organic movement was going strong outdoors and I began to think, well what about indoors? And I started asking, quote, experts about it, and it was really funny because they said, oh, you wouldn't want to do, you wouldn't want to do that sort of thing indoors. 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> As if I was going to start shoveling horse manure in my living room or something. <laughs> so, and yeah, and I, it, I just thought, well, we have organic products. We're using organic products. We're making sure we eat organic produce and foods and and all. And then we're going to spray bad chemicals on our houseplants, which are sitting right next to our kitchen. It didn't make sense to me. Absolutely. So I thought. Yeah, exactly. So I thought, well, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. Well, when I tried it, I was flabbergasted because my plants were growing like crazy. I had one gardener come over and she says, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just treating them organically. Now, there were things I don't use. There are things I don't use. I do not use fish emulsion indoors (laughs) for obvious reasons. Yeah. But there's so many things you can use indoors that are that work really well. So the book tells you about that and it tells you about things about how to get them and transition them to the what I like to say from a from a, a Big Mac to a to a garden salad diet and to make them healthier for you. And then the book before that was Houseplants and Indoor Gardening. It's decorating your home with houseplants. And that one looked at how beautiful houseplants can make your your house and also talks about how to keep them healthy. And and that, But that, that one wasn't quite as organic maybe as the second one. Would that be right? Right. There, there was some organic – there is some – information on growing them organically but not as much as the second one yes it's more focused on uh, and that one actually the first one house lesson indoor gardening is out of print but indoor gardening the organic way is still in print and 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 your website is healthy houseplants is that right healthyhouseplants.com yes that's right healthyhouseplants.com and and what do you have on the the web page I have it, the, the site is all or all gardening indoors. Uh, actually on the home page I have gardening in the great indoors. And so the, I have, I have information on a lot of what we've spoken about on how to make them healthy, the different types of plants. I have a, an encyclopedia of plants. Uh, how to prune, how to how to fertilize, how to water them. I have a video library, so I have various videos on houseplant care. I also have a blog where we talk about some cool and interesting and new things that are coming up. And, uh, for instance, recently did one on growing pineapple indoors. Oh, that sounds growing nice. Strawberries. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. The um, Sweet potato vine, that sort of thing. How to make, how to keep them healthy, and then also some resources on here, and it's pretty much everything you would want to know. Uh, I get a, I do have a a monthly newsletter as well, and sign up for that, and it's just once a month, so I'm not sending things out all the time. And then I, uh, it's really fun, too, because I have a contact page, and people will come, will ask me questions and, and a lot you, of times. And you've also got, got a fairy garden book, is that right? Yes, and that's my other uh, recent book, is Fairy Gardening. And it's uh, Creating a Magical Miniature Garden. And, and, and uh, dare we ask if fairy gardens are organic as well? The, with that, we don't really touch on that much. Okay. Uh, it's more on the how to cut 
come up with a theme and and then how to make that theme a reality and that sort of thing. And and all these are available on through Amazon. Can they and can they be purchased from your website as well? Yes, they can be purchased from my website and they are on Amazon as well. Okay, and and do you do talks on fairy gardens and indoor gardens in general? Yes, I do quite a bit of speaking on on indoor gardening and fairy gardening too. And and if somebody wanted to hear you, maybe give, give a talk. Is there a list of where you're going to be talking um, in the over the summer, for instance? I generally will put that up on either on sometimes put that up on the website if it's if i put that up on the website if it's somewhere that people could actually see me in public so and then i do also uh, private garden garden clubs and things like that too so that can usually be, be found on the website there is a public appearances uh tab and then also different speech list of different speech topics as well and and if somebody wanted um, to invite you to their garden club or, or function, um, is there a, some way that they can contact you on, on that same um, healthyhouseplants.com webpage? Yes, I have a contact us page, which take which gets right gets gets to me. And and when, yeah, and and so so is there, is there a list of the talks on the website as well that they can choose from? Yes, actually there is a tab that says public appearances and then there's the speech topics that you can click on and it gives you an overview of the various speeches. Okay, um, and, and I know that you, you are also doing um, some regional books on strawberries. Um, is that from an indoor garden idea as well to grow strawberries indoors or is this for the outdoor gardener? The books I've done so far are the strawberry story how to grow great berries in southern california and the strawberry story how to grow well actually the strawberry story how to grow great berries year round in southern california and then the strawberry story how to grow great berries in the northeast and i'm going to be doing the rest of the country those are specifically focused on outdoor uh, but you can grow certain varieties indoor and i have a blog post on healthyhouseplants.com about which how to do that indoors Oh, that sounds nice because that can do strawberries for most areas then grow and produce um, flowers and fruit year round? You can do that if you choose a day neutral variety, which are strawberries that aren't affected by day length. And you can do that in Southern California because we have a mild enough climate. But you can extend the season, even in the Northeast, into November with the right strawberry plant. But it's all about which, it's all about what type, growing the right type for your climate. And, and so would that be, um, a, I guess if you've got a day, a day neutral um, plant, could you grow those in greenhouses, for instance? Yes, definitely. And so, so the, the day length and the short day, day length and the uh, very cloudy winter days when you're more likely to get snow, they, they can still survive and produce fruit in the middle of winter? Actually, yes. The day neutral, certain day neutral varieties. Now, it, it, there is, you know, a cutoff, but it's a very broad range. And that is actually, they will, they will initiate fruit between 35 degrees Fahrenheit and 89 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Oh, God bless them. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 those are usually, I mean, the, the 89 degrees is usually when most plants say, thank you, that's enough, we'll wait. Exactly. <laughs> and I think the pollinators and the humans go in at that too. <laughs> and you do actually have to pollinate uh, with a little paintbrush. I do it on strawberries indoors. Oh, okay. So, to, so they yeah. they do do need natural pollination. Um, and do you do talks then on on growing strawberries as well? Yes, yes. Very popular talk. I've actually done about four already this this spring. Oh wow! Um, and and so um, I guess when people go to your your book talks and things like that, um, you're you're able to sign a copy for them. Um, is there a way that maybe if they can't get them direct from the web page? Is that right? They can get them from yes from my from my website. So if they do that, then they would get. A signed copy from me. Oh, okay. So, so if they want the signed copy, they either go to a talk or they can get it from your your web page. Exactly. Oh, and I always think it's fun to have copies that are that are signed. Um, and and you say say that the original houseplant book is not available unless it's on Amazon Remainder, where almost everything is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can get it there. And I do have a few copies, but not. I don't have it up actually on my website right now because I don't have that many copies of that one left. But but you've you've still got the um, the fairy garden and the um, the growing indoors organically. Uh, those are still available is that right yes yeah and uh, and and so i guess we're we're pretty much at the end of the show if somebody has decided that wow i'm going to go and try this this indoor gardening i'm going to get get some indoor plants and um, what would be maybe the, the the easiest one um maybe it's a college dorm or something they, they've got a window and that's about it and um, what what would be some of the maybe the easiest one to, to for them to try to start on, on this I would, my first reaction for that, my first idea would be to go to a pothos and some other ones are, that are good are, if you want some that flowers, the peace lily is pretty easy to grow as well. And uh, Sansevieria is another nice one, can grow just about anywhere. Chinese evergreen. And there's the cast iron plant, which is named for the fact that it also can take just about any kind of abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think I've heard of that, that one, the sort of thing to give a guy guy in a dorm room. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're, we're now right at the end of the show, Julie. It's been a great talk. Thank you very, very much for being here this morning. I, I've enjoyed it. I love houseplants. Great. Thank you. And it was really a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you having me. You're more than welcome. Um, and that's all we've got time for this morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Master Gardener Hour. We will be back next week with another show talking all about gardening and gardens. Have a good gardening week, everyone, and join me back here next Saturday. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.